0: 702. The Political Desk. Well, it is the issue we can't get away from, right? Uh, Communities protesting in solidarity with Eldorado Park, particularly coloured communities, who are now saying they feel marginalised and they say they're constantly targeted by police. They're claiming racial profiling. They're saying that stereotypical narratives about coloured communities drive police action in those communities. We're joined now by Aldred DeClark, who's a community conflict expert Uh, This is at the Africa Centre for Security and Intelligence Praxis, a former gangster who's been arguing that if government can improve the material conditions of the people, then the problem of crime in these communities can be solved. Um, Aldred, a very good morning to you. Welcome to 702 Breakfast.
1: Good morning, Bongani. Um, Yeah, I would hardly call myself a former gangster. (laughs) Um, I used to run with the street gang when I was a kid, but I mean, I grew up in an area besieged by gangsters. My mom used to be the local midwife and she used to go in and intervene and break up gangs. Uh, but if it didn't belong to a gang in the area in which I grew up, you could, you know, you were without the protection essentially.
0: Ah, uh, okay. I beg your pardon. I think those are the notes I got from one of my producers. Okay. I do apologize for that. <laughs> no,
1: that's fine. Absolutely good.
0: Look, let's just talk about this. Let's cut straight to the chase. Uh, many, many members of uh, the colored community in South Africa, and it's not just in Eldorado Park. You see this, um, in areas across uh, the length and breadth of this land saying, Quite frankly, under the old regime, they weren't white enough. They're saying under this regime, they're not black enough and still feel marginalized and stuck in the middle. And so when we see what happened uh, in Eldorado Park last week, they say, there you go.
1: Absolutely, Bongani, I think your analysis is spot on. We've got to understand that um, policing the underclass of which so-called colored people, who's a hodgepodge of identities, uh, people from all over, and not everybody's necessarily so-called mixed. Um, how do the sculptors is renowned to have been brown? If you look at the color of the people in Egypt, which is um, equidistant from South Africa, they're the same shade of pale yellow um, to a darker shade of mustard. Um, than local people in South Africa, in the southern, on the southern tip of Africa. And it is true that even I, as it, as where as who have been described an identity of, of colored, if it wasn't for the fact that I went to a, a rigorous school of, of, black consciousness, um, I would have been firstly taken on the label of colored. I would have felt that self oppression and I would have, not like myself, and then you find yourself um, in a new South Africa where this identity is proving to be problematic. You don't speak some of the, the many, very many languages um, in South Africa, and you are therefore feeling that you're in a place where you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Aldred, I, I need
0: you to explain that to me because uh, one obviously wants to uh, always, uh you know, describe people in the way that they identify. You describe uh, the colored identity as uh, something that's problematic now, but you also say that in earlier years, adopting it would have been part of self-hate. I mean, even when people say so-called colored, uh, one doesn't quite know how to frame it, if you understand, because I also know people who are very proudly uh, colored and accept that identity. Just wade us through the, the intricacies.
1: Absolutely. Look, I mean, the label colored was, was obviously ascribed to people um, who was found here. Um, it's a label that we found the same thing in the US, um, where we all also had this label of, of colored. It was changed in the US to African American, and that in itself is problematic because, because not all. The so-called black people in America or black people in America um, were necessarily from Africa um, as, as their origins go. So in South Africa, this group called Colors, which was, remember we had Cape Malay, um for people from Malaysia and Indonesia and Java um, amongst others who were brought as, in as indentured laborers and often could speak Bahasa and understood Dutch um, and could speak with with the Dutch overseers, and they were brought in to often be the overseers over the local people who were considered uneducated um, and and basically nothing short of of being an animal and treated as such. Um, then you had the Cape coloured, and that was supposed to be these people who were either found here um, and who who have a mixed identity, and then you have something called Other coloured. Um, which was also problematic because that was pretty much anybody um, who looked colored false colored failed the pencil test um, or and or and and then were labeled other colored and you and I know that in our families we have the entire range um, from from very pale um, and non black all the way to blue black and that would be one family, so even in the same family you would have people who would choose, once they can get away with it, to be labeled white. Um, I have in my own family people who were would have been um, labeled black if it wasn't for a local school principal who wrote a letter saying that they were colored, which meant that they would not be removed from the area in, in, in which they grew up. So identity is in itself complex. Identity causes huge insecurities, and for a long time being black in this country was something yeah. that was not necessarily celebrated. And now where we have a new South Africa, where we're supposed to celebrate this rainbow nation of, of, of peoples um, with many tongues and a rich diversity, we're finding even more reason to exclude each other because we're still living in these ghettos um, that uh, we haven't broken down the apartheid infrastructure.
0: Look, I hear you, and it's obviously a complicated uh, conversation that perhaps needs a, a lot more time to explore. But when it comes to policing, because that's your chief expertise, um, the impression one gets is that the poorer the communities, the faster the police hands to draw guns uh, add to that uh, corrupt cops working Um, for or in the pay of criminal gangs and their bosses uh, and, as uh, has been argued, perceptions around communities and, you know, who who promotes uh, drugs and gangsterism, uh, you then get this heavy-handed approach even uh, where there's no need to.
1: Indeed. We, We cannot argue that we haven't shaken off the shackles of policing the underclass in South Africa. Remember the police who were brought here were Irish. They in itself had, had, had their own problems, words like Sabine are, are Irish, um, for example. And their job was basically to be watchmen over the local people to make sure that they do not take the property and belongings of the, the, the colonial class. And so class, um, issues of ethnicity, issues of region and area, all play into the kind of policing we experience. And if, you, if police feel that you, you, cannot take them, you won't take them to court or you don't have the necessary organization and power or the necessary resources to confront them and engage them directly, or you're not an articulate darkly like myself, um, you, you, you will be treated differently, unfortunately. And we have to look yeah. at that reality and we have to confront it. So So, so, when, so, so effectively, people like, who live in El Dorado Park are being policed by who treat them as strangers.
0: So what happens now? I mean, we've seen the arrests of two officers uh, who were involved uh, in the killing of uh, really a a child in El Dorado Park, Nathaniel Julies. What happens now? What would you think um, authorities need to think about if uh, any lessons might be learned from what happened last week?
1: Well, one of the things that people are clamoring for, and rightly so, is to say that it's only when there are issues and only when tires are burning, then we see the public representatives and police leadership actually visit an area. All these areas suffer from decades of neglect, and we do need the social compact that the president is calling for, and we do need an honest conversation at the local level. What I would hope is that the minister continues to go back there and send the, the local leadership back. And yes, the minister may have been met already with some level of anger and frustration. You've got to be present in the face of that anger and frustration. Um, and you've got to sit down and actually be willing to wait out this anger and allow communities to vent it. And I would hope that we don't lose contact with, with communities like Dorado Park and elsewhere in, in the Western Cape and other communities yeah. that are acting in solidarity. And that now, as we move towards the 2021 election, remember this is a local government election. We ask the same question: Where are our councillors? Where are our mayors? Where are our local leadership? There's we nothing, need the yeah. Representatives of the community to sit down with them and actually to forge this social conduct and to listen to them, not with conditions, Bongani. They don't actually say to people who are shouting at you: Stop screaming, Stop shouting at me! Well. Actually, just be quiet and eventually yeah. open up that energy and you will be able to listen. So take the sense from what they're doing and as much as we condemn violence, violence is an expression of a sense of helplessness and powerlessness.
0: and a sense of being unheard. Eldra de Klark, you and I must chat again, certainly. Uh, thank you for your time there, senior policing expert at the Africa Center for Security and Intelligence Praxis. There's nothing like communities who feel unheard. And we're going to see this kind of thing more and more. And it's always going to end in tragedy. It's always going to end in tears until this government responds to every South African.